0: Morning, close to being afternoon, it is afternoon, already, exactly afternoon, now i got one minute, I can say good morning right now, your phone's wrong, mine's right, oh, okay, I'm on the atomic watch, and yeah, yeah, mine's, have you ever heard of the term big Ben, that's like the best clock in the world, that's actually talking about me, yeah, yeah, that's excellent, yeah. We are beginning a new sermon series entitled Ears to Hear, and the purpose of the messages is to help us train our ears to hear. Um, I picked, picked the picture that is uh, up there. That's of Ledger, a little Ledger. He comes to the Vanceburg campus all the time. He's wide open, like a little ball of fire running wide open all the time. Uh, They come here off times whenever we have one single service, Uh, sometimes Ledger's up here with us here at Kentucky Heights. Uh, We're grateful for two campuses that we can meet in, and it works for them because the early service, because his his sister, off times, goes to cheerleading uh, practices and stuff, and they got to go earlier in the morning, so it allows them to come early and uh, then go on over to the practice and uh, gives us a time where people can meet at your convenience. So we're grateful for two campuses, a multi-site church in Lewis County, who would have thought it would have been possible, but here we are and grateful uh, for God's kingdom and all he's allowing us to do. But we need ears to hear, and Little Ledger's got his uh, mouthpiece in there, and I I looked at that picture a couple years ago, or about a year ago, I think it was, and I remembered it Whenever I was wanting to make this image for uh, the sermon series. I remember that picture, and kind of the way I did with... Uh, uh, little Miss there there last week, uh, last sermon series we done, and I asked Alex, uh, I didn't ask for her permission. I asked, guess I asked her mama for permission. So same thing this time. Yesterday I, I hit Brittany up and said, hey, can I use his picture for our sermon series? And she's like, sure. And then I sent her to her, and she's like, that's awesome. So a uh, little ledger. But usually uh, as we look at that picture, if we're talking about ears, that's usually what we see in people, right? Everybody's got a big mouth. Look at your neighbor and say, you got a big mouth. Big mouth, right? Uh, you you wouldn't want to see me wear one of those because my teeth are crooked. We couldn't afford a dentist when I was growing up, so my teeth are are jacked up pretty bad. And uh, I've never been to the dentist once or twice. They took us to the dentist when we had to have one pulled. That's about it. There wasn't no braces or none of that. We were too poor to afford that. So I don't, I wouldn't want to wear one of those myself. But poor little Ledger there, he's got white teeth. and They're all straight and all looking good. Uh, and he's happy with that game, but we need ears to hear, Uh, your mouth cannot hear, everybody look at your neighbor and say your mouth can't hear, (laughs) that's what we use the most, right, so we're going to go to our Bibles for this sermon series in Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, we're going to start at verse 1 and look through this uh, story here as Jesus is preaching and hopefully gain some insights uh, for our life. And through this teaching series, and hopefully next week when the missionaries come and share their uh, segment, then we're going to have more of a message right after that for a few minutes. But today is Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass afterward that he, speaking about Jesus, went through every city and village, preaching and bringing glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. That's his disciples, right? He's picked twelve Uh, disciples to go with him and a certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities Mary called Magdalene out of whom have come seven demons and Joanna the wife of Chusa Herod Steward and Susanna and many others who provided for him from their substance so if we got ears to hear when I just read that verse I want you to think about it from this perspective that you need to think that Jesus is preaching to us here and, and Luke, the physician, is writing down what Jesus was, as, was doing and what was going about to get us to her story. But he said here that, that uh, there was women with him too, that there's 12 disciples, but these women were tagged along with him and they provided for him with their substance. And one of them being Joanna, the wife of Chusa, and that was Herod Stewart. So you need to think about who was the king that tried to kill Jesus when he was a baby when he was born. King Herod, right? King Herod uh, went out and sent out and said all the two-year-old and younger uh, to go out and try to kill him, right, in the Christmas story that we just come out of this Christmas season. So you need to look at this perspective, and if you have ears to hear and knowledge to understand, you'll see that Joanna, the wife of Chusa, and apparently she's widowed at this time because he would have been with her at that time and that season, but uh, Herod steward. So Herod's substance... So if you work for Herod, you get paid by Herod. So part of Herod's substance was given to this Chusa, and his wife was using that to funnel to the ministry of Jesus. So think about that, that the same king who tried to kill Jesus as a baby is now partnering with, and the money he is allocated in this life is being used to progress or give progress to the ministry of Jesus. And isn't it funny how God can turn even your enemies into being your footstool, amen, that even the wealth of the wicked could be laid up for the just, that God can use all things to work together for the good that those are called according to his purpose. And if it's God's purpose, whether you're against him or for him, he can use your resources to further his gospel, amen. And wouldn't it be awesome today that we could get a a missionary to come in and maybe give us a report about over in Saudi Arabia somewhere that that there would be a big oil tycoon or somebody that's in oil over there that's got billions of dollars. And they they have gold-plated cars. They have diamond rivets on their cars. It's amazing the amount of money and resources that these individuals have. And what if God could use part of that to further the gospel of Jesus? Amen, that God could turn around an evil heart to become soft and pliable the way Dusty preached about during his sermon series and where that you could be using your resources now that you used to hate Jesus. Now you love Jesus. I long for that kind of day where that God would change our hearts and we would use our substance for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That it wouldn't be used all upon ourselves but it will be for his furtherance of his gospel. Verse 4, And when a great multitude had gathered, they had came to him from every city. He spoke by a parable. And he said this, verse 5, A sower went out to sow a seed, and he sowed some, fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on a rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorn sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. He cried it out. So if Jesus is putting an emphasis on this, there must be a purpose behind it, right? That Jesus doesn't do things for accidents or just he's on purpose all the time. So he cried aloud, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Should we listen when Jesus says listen? Should we hear when Jesus says hear? But let's look at the next verse. Then his disciples ask him, saying, what does this parable mean? What does this parable mean? Can you imagine being Jesus sent from heaven? You're the perfect orator. You know the way humanity was designed and you know the way that the mind was created and you know the way that the ears work and you know the way the ear channel works and you know that there's an eardrum in there and you know the process of, of whatever little electrical circuit or current works through there that goes into the brain and how that works and it manipulates the brain into hearing and understanding. Imagine being Jesus and preaching with that kind of understanding and that kind of ability and you're preaching and you're telling people look, I'm going to tell you a parable, I'm going to preach to you today and cities had come to throng to hear him and as he's speaking he's got his 12 disciples there he's got these women with him that are that are furthering the gospel through the uh, helping pay for the resources they need to do so and as Jesus is preaching imagine telling a story and trying to get people to listen and actually even telling them he's got an ear to hear hear this and putting emphasis on it and then the next very next sentence that comes to you is your 12 disciples your 12 chosen ones and they come up and say, well, well what do you mean? It's kind of like parents, when you say, clean your room. Is that what your kids hear? Does Alex understand that, what are you, or Brandon? You say, go clean your room. Do they know exactly? Well, I know what mommy means. I'm going to clean the room, right? They, they don't understand that. Well, what do you mean? And oftentimes we talk and people don't understand, right? It's kind of crazy how that we as humans, we can, we can listen, we can be sitting in a church service, we can hear a sermon, we can hear the songs, we can know the words and see them on the screen, and we can uh, be paying attention even, and even intently listening, but do we really hear? There's a difference in hearing and hearing. You can hear with your ears, but are you hearing with your heart? So as Jesus is preaching, he's trying to bring emphasis to this, and his disciples don't even know what he's talking about. They probably wasn't listening. They probably heard him, but they wasn't listening. What does this parable mean? And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it's given in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. So Jesus is telling his disciples here, and we are disciples today. If we are born again in the kingdom of God, we give our life to Jesus. i would I, I come to an altar. I prayed somewhere. Maybe you prayed on your lawnmower. Maybe you play, prayed on your tractor. Maybe you're standing at work one day, and your heart began to break, and you gave your life to God. I remember when people were preaching to me on a job site, and my heart became pliable. I remember where those two Christians that I were working with, and they were witnessing to me about the things of God, and I was talking to them, and I was like, yeah, my mom goes to church, and they said, that's not good enough for your mom to go to church. You see, that was my way of dealing with Christianity. I could put it off on my mom. God doesn't have grandkids. He's only got kids. You're not going to get to heaven on mama's prayers. Amen? You're not going to get to heaven on grandmama's prayers. It's got to be you and God coming together and you giving your life to him. So Jesus is preaching to them. What's this mean? And he says, to you, my disciples, it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So what am I saying? God is telling us here that if we believe in him, if we love him, if we give our life to him and become a disciple, that he's going to give us understanding that we didn't have before. Amen? Amen. But there's sometimes I can read my Bible, but I don't really understand it. Is anybody with me? There's sometimes I can read my Bible, and I'll see something in there, and I'm like, well, what's going on with that? Well, I've read that verse 500 times, and I've never seen before that Herod's uh, uh, steward's wife gave money to Jesus. I've never read that before. I've never heard that before. Yes, I've read it, but did I understand it? It's amazing, isn't it, how the Word of God is always fresh, that it's always relevant, that it always wakens in our heart when we read it from God's point of view. He tells His disciples, man, you've been given to know the mysteries. You're special. Amen? He called you for a purpose. And He's not going to call you to keep you ignorant. Paul says in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians, Brethren, I wouldn't have you ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. God don't want us to be ignorant. And ignorant is not a bad word if we make it a bad word, but ignorant just means you don't know. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know until you found out you didn't know it. Amen? That's the way I am. Be like, man, that's simple. That, 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 That makes sense. Why didn't I know that before? Well, I didn't know that I didn't know until I found out I didn't know it. It's has kind of like that in God's kingdom, right? He brings us to this place and this point in life, and Jesus is preaching his disciples should know, and they've been hearing sermons for years now, and are they really listening? He says, you're, you're, you know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But whenever he says this, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not hear, he's actually quoting out of an Old Testament Ezekiel prophet, where that the prophet was told by God and the prophet went out and prophesied for God and said, yes, that there is, there's a rebellious house. And that rebellious house, known as Israel, was a place where that God would speak and he said, yes, you've got ears, but you can't hear. Yes, you've got eyes, but you cannot see. And there's some things in the spiritual realm that, yes, we can't hear them. Why? Because we're not listening. And God tells us that this is going to come to pass, and I can't see it. Why? Because I don't have spiritual eyes enough to see it yet. But God is wanting us to listen. He's wanting us to pay attention. Some people I've heard say that they're too poor to pay attention. That's kind of us, right? I'm just too poor to pay attention. We don't listen good enough. You ever been around somebody like that? be talking to them you be speaking to them and you can just tell by the look in their eye that they've got that glazed over look and you're like i'm talking but you're not listening amen, amen. Yeah. i'm telling my story this means something to me and maybe it's it's personal maybe it's something where you really want to to relay information you look over and it's like they got that glazed over look in their eyes it's like they ain't even really paying attention Can you imagine Jesus, the Son of God, come to earth to give his life for these humanity and all of a sudden you're preaching to him and you're telling him you've been gifted. God's given you insight that nobody else has. And here I'm telling you a story and you're not even listening. He that has ears to hear should hear. So Jesus, what's he do when they tell him, I don't understand. What's Jesus going to do? Is he going to browbeat you? you going to say, you stupid idiot? I don't think so. That isn't the Jesus I serve, is it? So Jesus goes on. Now it says, now the parable is this. So he explains it to him. It's so easy that even a caveman can do it, right? Jesus is going to tell them, I'll make this plain enough for you. Maybe you'll know what's going on here. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are those the ones that hear Then the devil comes and takes away by the word of God out of their mouth. Lest they should believe and be saved. Can I tell you today that the devil wants to steal the word of God from your life? He wants to steal the sermons that you hear? He wants to steal the daily Bible verse that you read on your phone app. He wants to steal every time that the Word of God comes to you and awakens in your heart that whenever it's there and it's something that you can see and like, wow, I can't believe I'm going through this. And then God lets me to read something like that, and you're like, oh my goodness, and then all of a sudden the enemy comes in. It's like, I gotta get that away from him. Why? Because of John chapter 10, verse 10 says, the enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. If you want to know the enemy's purpose in your life, it's that. He comes to kill you. He wants to steal every word of God that you get and everything you get. And he wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your life. But that verse doesn't end there. There's a comma in John chapter 10, verse 10. And then it goes on to say, but Jesus came. Amen. Jesus came. The Son of God came. Why? For me to have life and life more abundant. Amen. Isn't your life better because Jesus came into it? Isn't your life something today? And I'm living in the kingdom of God. I've got understanding on my Bible. I can hear stories. I can hear sermons. The songs are sung. My heart is lifted. Why? Because Jesus came to set me free. And I'm free in this house today. I'm blessed beyond measure. I'm living the abundant life. Does that mean you're going to have all the money you ever need and you can get every car you ever want to get and you can live in the biggest house? No. The abundant life is where joy fills your heart that money cannot buy. Amen. I've had money and I've not had money. I've lived, that's what Apostle Paul said, I've lived in abundance and I know how to be abased. I've had it both. Amen. Is anybody with me? I'd have a checkbook sometimes that I'll save up and have a little bit of money in there and all of a sudden that something comes up and this happens and that happens and you can go from having $1,000 one day and your car breaks down and the next day you have zero. Yeah. Amen? Amen? But if I live my life off of looking at that checkbook and, and saying whether God loved me or not by that checkbook, I would be of men most miserable, wouldn't you? But if I go through life living and thinking, man, Jesus bought my sin by the blood he shed on the cross of Calvary. I've lived a blessed life, folks. I've lived a blessed life. Amen. I am in the abundance of God. Amen. Do we have ears to hear that? Do we really understand that? Do we really believe that? I'm sorry for you hollering, but I love you. Jesus said that the devil will come and steal away the word out of your life. Everybody say, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. That's what the scripture teaches us, amen? That if the enemy comes in like a roaring lion, rebuke him and he will flee, amen? I'm ready for the word of God to be seated inside of my heart, and I don't want the devil stealing it anymore, amen? I want it to grow and blossom and be what God wants it to be. Verse 13, but the ones on the rock are those who when they hear receive the word with joy and these have no root who believe for a while and in time of temptation they fall away. Dusty preached his heart out for four weeks about having a pliable heart, having a moldable heart. I loved his sermon series, how that he was applying it to to how his life and how that he is, that he don't show emotions, that he don't cry the way others cry. And he applied it in a way that we could understand. And here it says that a hard heart is a place where the word of God can't grow because it can't get no root. And basically what that's saying to me, what I want you to hear today, is that God wants his word to have a place to go. And because you're hardened your heart, There's nowhere for the roots to grow into. So what he's wanting to say to you is this. Allow me into those areas that you're hiding from me. Amen? Amen. Don't hide anything from God because he already knows it anyway. He knows you better than you know yourself. That's what Jesus said. Birds have have nests, you know. and, And how much more does he love you? He says he knows the numbers of the hair on our head. If God loves the birds, how much more does he love you that you're created in his image? Today, unharden your heart. Open up your heart to say, God, here it is. Do something with it. And those hard areas, if you'll break them up, if you will break up those hard areas of your life, they will become soft, and it gives the word of God somewhere to grow. If you say, well, pastor, it's been a while, and I don't feel like I'm growing anymore in God. I don't feel like I've picked up anything new. I've not been doing anything new, and I'm not. Maybe it's because we're not listening. Maybe it's because we're hiding something from God. And he's saying, I want to grow this seed, but you're hardening this area, and I can't grow in a hard place. This is the people that come in. And sure, they'll come into church for a season. We've all seen it. They'll come in, they'll be on fire for God. They will be serving God, they'll love God, tears will flow. Just You know, you can watch God doing great things in their life, but they never open up truly and they never give it all over to God. And time by time, they'll slip away, and they'll grow cold, and the word of God no longer applies in their heart. And the next thing you know, we don't see them. It saddens me as your pastor. It saddens me to watch that happen. I don't wish that on anybody. I look out there and see people that's attended Bethesda, and if I counted up every individual that's walked through Bethesda's door in the nine years we've been here, we'd be in the thousands. There's been thousands of people attended Bethesda. They're not all here today. Now, I'm not brow beating anybody that's not here. If they're sick... Dolly's got little casia, I hope she stays home and takes care of little Keisha. It's not about that. I'm just saying, where are we at in our relationship with Jesus? Amen. 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 Verse 14. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. So it's like this. My dad, every year... <laughs> He gets on his tractor in the spring, Jason. He travels down through there, and and that's something I'm just proud of you guys. How long have you guys been coming here? It's been a while. What was that, Leslie? 14? 15? March of 15? Just because I stopped in a restaurant and bought donuts off of them. I just remember that and just, like, man, Amen. they didn't go to church anywhere and. I was just like, well, yeah, we're working on the church. We're going to open it back up. Jason's dad's preached from right here before. It's like, yeah, we're going to open it back up. It's been closed. You ought to come up and help lay some tile. And literally that night, Jason come up and he helped lay that cross in that center, of that foyer. We worked and worked and worked and finally got it close to being ready and got it all painted and all this stuff and all this done. Then Leslie come up and and I remember her and Dustin and them was playing music and practicing that night and and Amy's sitting there and she's like, That's not church music. <laughs> what what kind of church is this gonna be? I've not heard that sound before. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> and years later. Have they lived the perfect life? No. Has the world been a perfect place for you guys since you came here? No. I've watched you guys go through hell, and they're still sitting here because they know if I come and hear the word, it's going to apply to my week, and I can walk out of here, and I can be a changed individual. I've watched them. I, I love it, seeing that happen. And it's not just them. It's all over this room. It's all over Bethesda, between both campuses. I've witnessed people. But it says here that there certain seeds that will fall and thorns will grow up. So it's kind of like my dad, he gets on that tractor every year and he'll take off down through Briarie. And, you know, he, he goes down to his garden, he'll he'll till it up. He's got one of them rotor, rotor tillers on the back of his tractor now. It's p- kind of high-tech. Used to, we had a plow on a disc. And then you had to go out there and you had to hand, uh, you know, straighten it out. But now he's got this new high-mangled m- outfit that'll just, it'll till it and it'll, it'll turn the toy over and everything and make it just flat as a pancake. So dad will do that, and he'll he'll take off down through there, and he'll get his done. Then he goes down to his next neighbor down the road, and that guy's like, yeah, if you don't care, just go ahead and plow my garden out here, Manny. Dad will go down through there, and he'll plow his garden. He'll drive on down through the holler, and he'll get down there at the end. He'll go over. He'll plow their garden. Then somebody else will call, hey, I'll, could you plow my garden again this year? And he'll take off up Brewery, and he'll go over and plow a garden. He won't go very far, so if you live in Firebrick, Ruby, he probably won't come up. He's... He's too far away for that. He, he cares too much about his $600 tractor tires. <laughs> Grover Dummond never did care. He'd plow up every garden within 400 miles, I think. Grover traveled everywhere plowing gardens. Dad's kind of, he'll, he'll take care of briar. He can handle that. But dad, he'll, he'll get that tilled up, and you know, he's real meticulous about it. So he's got this measuring thing that, that he does in his garden, and he knows how many feet they need to be apart, the rows, because he knows his cultivator on his tractor is a certain width. So he actually literally goes down there with stakes, and he'll drive a stake in the ground and go up the other end and measure over to make sure they're exact. And he ties a rope in between it so that whenever he's doing his row that it's exactly straight, straight as a string, literally. He wants it to be perfection, and he, he watches over it. And this is not just since he's been retired. he done this since I was a kid. He would work long shifts. I've seen Dad work 12-hour shifts and, and still tend to his garden and take care of his garden. So it isn't not a lack of a time, I've seen him work shutdowns into it. And Dad gets his rows all laid out, and, man, he'll, he'll plant them seeds, and he'll go down there, and he'll water them if it's too dry, and, and he'll try to take care of it, and then, then he'll break that ground up. And whenever they begin to grow, and maybe they'll come through, and you know the little seeds popping through, he'll, he'll be down there, and he'll heal he'll up the beans. you probably heard of healing up the beans. He'll heal he'll up the tomato plants. He'll make sure they're in real good shape. He'll go through there with the rotor tiller, breaking up the ground. He goes down there with a the hole, he'll be hoeing out all the weeds. He tends to it, right? Why? Because if you don't, it'll choke out the plants. The same garden within a thousand foot of that one that he tilled up with the same tractor, that guy'll go out there and plant a few seeds. He don't lay out no rows. He don't get out there with no hoe. He don't rotor I don't think he's ever owned a rotor tiller. And that'll do it every year though. He'll go plow his garden. And that guy will go out there and plant a few seeds, and next thing you know, you go by there, and it's, it's grass this tall. It's weeds this tall. And he hopes that maybe a tomato plant, one out of 400, will get, grow through the weeds tall enough so that they can get some sunlight so it'll grow a, a tomato or two. But, Dad, man, they'll, they'll can hundreds of quarts of tomato juice and green beans and, and corn, and it's not a big garden. It ain't no bigger than this little room right here. Dad's garden, literally no bigger than this room, and he'll feed people up and down the hall all year long because he takes care of his garden. What if we would treat our heart like Jesus is telling us here? If we truly heard what Jesus is saying, he's saying, take care of your heart. Amen? Get your rotor tiller out every now and then. If you feel like that there's weeds beginning to grow and something else is growing up and it's taking the importance of what Jesus' Word's trying to grow in me, then guess what? Get your rotor tiller out and tear up and down through those rows and say, God, begin to do something. Clean this area up. Get this mess out of here. Why? Because this clutter's got me, I, I'm just stressed out. Why? There's too much going on. What if we looked at the Word of God? as a seed what if we looked at sermons as seeds what if we looked at those children's church messages when Elizabeth goes down and Ernie and Karen goes down and they look at those little hearts that you're not just down there teaching Bible stories come on somebody you're not just you're not just down there to what, take up some time so the adults can get some messages you're down there with some little hearts that are pliable, that are in a condition where that God's word can mold in. And you're like a big a farmer walking through there with one of them seed sowers. And you're cranking out the seeds. Amen, Val. It's back there shaking her head. Yes, why? Because she knows what I'm talking about. And you can just sense and know whenever you tell those little kids something and their eyes light up and they say, God can really do that? Yes, he can. The word of God. Wow. When we hear it. When it's real. When it's what it's supposed to be. What are we going to do with it? But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word. Everybody say hear. With a noble and good heart keep it and bear fruit with patience. See it's one thing to plant a seed in the ground. Like dad does. And even when it still just looks like brown dirt all over, he tends to that garden the same way it does whenever there's big red tomatoes on the vine. He takes care of it when he can see nothing, just like he does whenever he can see everything. Look at your heart the same way. You've got good soil. There's no person in this room, under the sound of my voice, that is not good soil where the Word of God can grow in your life. You know why I can say that? Because God don't make mistakes. He didn't create you for evil. He didn't create you for harm. He didn't create you for bad. He created you for good. And your heart is a condition that he's got you here today to hear, man, I'm good soil. And God's coming through here today, and he's sowing seeds in this room, and he's saying, take care of it. Amen? Even though you can't see it, well, sometimes, well, pastor, you've been telling me that something good will come to pass me forever. And I've been waiting, and I've been waiting. Guess what? that's what patience is. Amen, it's waiting to see God's Word come to pass even when I don't even see it. How many believes that with me today that sometimes we got to tend to the garden even when we can't see it yet, even when there's nothing growing, even when nothing's come through the ground yet? you got to water it anyway. Yeah. You have to water it anyway. Verse 18, Jesus says, No one, when he has a lamp lit, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but he sets it on the lampstand that those who enter it may see the light for nothing in secret that, is, that will not be revealed and anything hidden will not, not be known and come to light. Therefore, take heed how you hear. Ears to hear. I think you'd hear a pen drop in this room. For whoever has to him, much will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. If we got ears to hear. The Assemblies of God has got 16 fundamental truths. It's 12.32. My time is up. The Assemblies of God has got 16 fundamental truths. The first one that they based all the other beliefs on they said, okay, whenever they first joined in 1914 back there in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and 300 churches got together and said, we need to be a missions organization, but what are we going to believe? The first thing they said, well, what's the most important thing on this planet? That's what they've decided. What's the most important thing? What should we list as number one in our belief system? They said, the word of God is inspired. If I don't have nothing else on this planet, the most precious thing I could take with me anywhere is this so if we're going to do a castaway and take me away and throw me on an island they say you get to take one thing with you what are you gonna take with you you're gonna take a pocket knife you're gonna take a gun what are you gonna take so it's saying you got to realize in your life this is the most important thing on this planet Amen? amen and that's what we as the Assemblies of God Church that's what we believe that the Bible is inspired that God breathed this Second Timothy three fifteen through seventeen says that for God, it, it, it's the Word of God. It's breathe, It's God breathed. It's God revealed. It's the most important thing ever. Is it raining? I thought it was too cold to rain. Yeah, it's raining. Wow, I haven't heard that forever in around Lewis County. You. No, just every other day, right? <laughs> it's a con- constant rain. I, I'm getting ready to be like, no, I'm getting ready to start building me a boat. I don't know about you. It's rained for 40 days and 40 nights, it seemed like. The Word of God is important. Can we hear it? Can we hear it the way we hear that rain? Are we listening? Won't you stand? Won't you bow your head and close your eyes? There was a young man here last week that his mama's real sick, and he works out of town a lot. And he just come in the back row, and he sat back there, and he listened to the sermon last week. And sometimes we don't know if people's paying attention or not. But apparently he was listening. He was talking about a sweetheart of a deal. I said, God will give you what you don't deserve. I said this this morning down at the Vanceburg campus. I told him, I said, give God your sin and he'll give you his son. Give him your sin and he'll give you his son. But this young man sitting in the back, he's close to 40 years old and after the sermon's over and we dismissed everybody and he come walking up the front and tears was running down his face and he's crying and he looked at me and he said Ben, you got to save me. I told him, I said, I can't save you. But God can. God can. And Josiah and Jill was there and They was talking to me and they took a step back and I said, no, you ain't going anywhere. And I made him come over and hold his hand. And we prayed that sinner's prayer to say, God, here I am, a sinner. I need the blood of your son to cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. And I want to be saved. He prayed that prayer and he believed it. And he walked out of this place a whole new man. He said it felt like the weight of the world had lifted off his shoulders. That can be a reoccurring event. That isn't an instantaneous thing that's just once and God don't do that again for you. I'm here to tell you today that if you listen to God's word, it'll tell you that he will lighten your load. There's people in this room that needs to hear this today. You need that weight to be gone again. There's areas of your life that God's telling you, till your garden today. Clean out some weeds. Soften your heart. Nobody looking around every eye. head bowed. every eye closed. I want to ask you, is there any here that lift your hand and say, Pastor Ben, I want to hear better. I want to hear better. Amen. Thank you for those hands. Anybody else? Man, hands everywhere. I want to hear better. Thank you so much, God. Thank you so much, God. I want to pray for you. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And Jesus, you're breaking up fallow ground in this room today, in the hearts of the believers here. God, I pray through this sermon series that you would give us ears to hear. God, I pray that your word would come alive in the heart of every believer that raised their hand. And God, as they go throughout their weeks, Lord, that you would just do immeasurable things. Lord, that they could walk in the joy of the Lord. Lord, that the enemy would be defeated. And God, they could walk in your abundance. And God, they would know you're with them, that you'll never leave them nor forsake them, that you'll go with them even to the end. Jesus, your words are true. Let us hear them and let us apply them in our life. Your word is inspired. We believe it, God. I pray let people in this room begin to read more than they ever have before. Lord, give them the apps on the phone that will give them resources to be able to read. But more than just reading, let them understand and let them apply it. Bring freedom in this house. Freedom to hear, freedom to listen, and freedom to understand. Amen.